0: Welcome to a bonus weekend. It's South going a primary edition of the Bulwark podcast. I'm Tim Miller. I gathered the whole circus crew for the occasion. We got Jen Palmieri. she was communications director for Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Mark Mcat McKinnon was media advisor to W and McCain. John Heilman, national affairs analyst for NBC News, author of Game Change and Double Down, some other mysterious pursuits.
1: Y'all. Bring on the clowns. So good to see you.
2: <laughs> Bring on the clowns. <laughs>
1: most of them within the bounds of the law, most. Most.
0: We are taping this on Friday afternoon, so there's one one potential problem with that is that the South Carolina primary hasn't happened yet, and some some of our good listeners might listen on Sunday or Monday. But the good news is, I I think we all know what's going to happen. Haley's going to get schlonged (laughs) by about somewhere between 20 and 45 points. So before,
1: can we not say schlonged in this context when it's Donald
0: (laughs) Trump and (laughs) Nikki Haley? You know,
2: I I think Barack Obama got in trouble for that once. Okay, right, right. right? I I apologize.
0: Well, Nikki Haley's going to yeah. get beaten decisively yeah. between twenty and forty-five points. I think we can all stipulate that before the convo, right? Memcat, do you do you want to do you want to offer a?
3: Yeah, listen. I I always thought that there should be something called the Al Gore rule, which is if you run for president, you should have to win your home state. Although Donald Trump changed that equation, but yeah, it, it's, this, and this yeah. is just a testament to just how much the Republican primary has changed that she can't win in her home state.
1: Can I just say one thing though about this? I there's a data point that I just want to inj- inject in this, which is I looked at this today. Please. Donald Trump has not had lower than a 20 point lead in South Carolina for in the past year. There's like literally not a poll in one year in which he hasn't Man. been at least. He's been between 20 and four, a 20 Man. to 40 point lead for a whole year. There's one poll back like, like in January of 2023 where he was only oh, had like a 17 point lead, and every other poll he's been between 20 and 40. Yeah. So she's got plenty of time.
0: No better yeah. time than now. No better time than the present. Okay. So given that, I thought it would be fun to – I gave you homework. I assume Heilman didn't do it, but we're going st- to start with him first. I did it. And you did? You did great. And the, the homework was uh, was if we had a circus this week, what would the show be called? And do and you have a theme song for it? You get bonus grade points if you had a theme song.
3: I have a theme and a song, and they're the same. What is it?
0: Caroline in My Mind, James Taylor. Oh, oh boy. Okay. A little, you know, that it's
2: a different Carolina.
0: Is that right? Where was James Taylor singing about?
2: North Carolina.
0: North Carolina. But,
1: you know.
2: Yeah. anyway I didn't know about the song. I got to like do some thinking. Okay. You can
0: go last. You have time to think about it. Heilman.
2: Thank you.
1: I think that, uh, that. That Jen Palmieri will definitely remember this. Mark McKinnon will definitely remember this. You, Tim, as a student of history, may remember this, although you're too young to have experienced it. But at the end of the of the Thank at the you. end of the 1996 presidential campaign, when uh, when Bill Clinton, with all of his problems, was spanking Bob Dole, there got to be a period in the last like week or so. When Dole was just so uh, there, there, there were two things about the end of that campaign that were great. One was at the end of long of the day at like five o'clock, whenever you were out of the road, Dole would cut his speech off at a certain moment. And because of the time that they had the, for the curfew at National Airport, he would go, I'm sorry, the speech is now over. National, here we come. And he'd run to the bus because <laughs> he was just like, I'm done with that, done with this shit. I'm not gonna have to stay in this in this place where I am. The other thing was he would he would just burst out, he had these outbursts uh, all the time. He would say, Where is the outrage? Where is the outrage? Where is the outrage would be my episode title because if you if you think about what's the things that Trump has done and said in any other era in a, in a South Carolina primary you know a South Carolina that is dominated by veterans and and you know has been the idea that you know Donald Trump sucking up to Vladimir Putin not saying boo about about Navalny's. Uh, assassination trashing Nikki Haley's husband who's an actively deployed military person there will be out i mean you know he he has just been an, he, getting helped by a spy yes. apparently a russian spy He has been a nonstop uh uh flood of 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 self-aggrandizing putin stroking gibberish uh and 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 perfidy and yet no one gives a fuck in south carolina it doesn't give a fuck nothing's changing in that race she's hitting him harder uh, and trying to gin up the outrage and is getting nowhere. There's no traction for it whatsoever. And uh, so that's where's the outrage would be, my ti- would be my episode title and my theme song for it would be Tim. This is right for you for reasons you'll understand in a moment. Uh, would be a classic song about the Pet Shop Boys called "Being Boring," which is pretty <laughs> much just dis- pretty much describes the entire Republican primary. I could give that that'd be a half season uh, or overarching so- uh, theme song.
0: Yeah. so boring. Could you Being imagine doing boring. this show every week? Oh. What are you going to talk about? It's the um, most fla- all right. It's okay. the most
1: flaccid, lifeless, sad, deflated presidential campaign I've ever seen covered or hoped to ever witness again in my life.
0: It is fair though. I could just before I get to you, Jenna. It is fair, like the where is the outrage? Is and this is a very bulwarky pick. Um, so it also fits yeah, for yeah. this podcast. Where is the outrage? Because well, because it's. It is hard to really kind of imagine that everyone has just gotten in line. And when I think about that episode title, I would point it more towards, you know, the kind of Republican establishment figures that just gave in right this time. You know, uh, you have your Tim Scott. And you can remember the South Carolina primary of 16. We have Marco and Haley and Scott all campaigning together. I mean, they could have at least tried to try. You know, in the last week, Mike Gallagher just quit Congress. I mean, like the times of people that yeah, should be outraged just, yeah. are just either giving in or giving up. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable.
3: By the way, I have a real, I have a real uh, vision of that primary and um, a spectacularly visual evening when uh, Haley endorsed Rubio mm. uh, there. And it was so cinematic and they both looked so young and yeah. energetic. And I just thought, man, if this is the face of the Republican Party. Before his
1: ears got so big. Every single major Republican elected official in South Carolina, except I think one congressman, right, is backing uh, Trump. And yeah, they all Ralph just, Norman, who's an insurrectionist. Who's an insurrectionist, yeah, who somehow is still with Haley. I don't really understand that. That's one of the great mysteries of our time. But it's amazing that the whole South Carolina political establishment is just behind Trump. And it does – and they don't – I mean, I'm standing out there by the USS Yorktown looking at, I'm thinking about all the events I've been to with Republican candidates on that, I mean, and the, all of them, because yeah. it's all about the military there. It's all veterans, active duty military. And John
2: Kerry. That's where John Kerry announced his president. He did. That's, that's that's
1: That's yeah. exactly right. But Republicans just always go there. Like every Republican, Ted Cruz, uh, uh, Rand Paul announced his campaign there, you know, Newt Gingrich, Rick Santorum, they all do events out there. It's like the most trafficked venue in the state. For this good reason. It's the one of the most great, one of the most military states in the in the country. And and Trump has just been like just shitting on the military in every way imaginable. And no one cares. No, I mean, except for the people who already cared, the people who are already against Trump. They're they're all outraged, but you know Well,
2: it's not uh, yeah, but I mean thirty percent of the elected cares. It's not yeah. nothing. Thirty percent of the Republican
1: electorate. I mean, those people that had already decided that those are the people who are gonna be who are gonna be against Trump. The anti-Trump part of the party is is outraged. But no one else is, no one, no persuadable vote. It's not moving any votes around, right? right? Again, to the point of his giant lead in that state, he's done the things that would normally be catastrophic in South Carolina. And there's no, even a flutter in the numbers, you know?
0: All right, Jen, I saw you scrolling your Spotify. Did you come up with something?
2: Yeah. So my my title. So I think what's important this week is that it did. It felt it felt like this was the week that Russia really broke through, right? It like came full circle from 2016, where the House leadership, the Big Four, right, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, Senate Minority Leader, House Speaker, and House Minority Leader were all briefed on Russia interfering in the election prior to Labor Day. The administration wanted to make it public. Mitch McConnell said no to this week where you have Navalny killed, you have the Schmirnoff. House Republicans have now gone from being skeptical about intelligence from eight years ago to now passing on Russian intelligence to try to impeach the sitting president of the United States. So my title was going to be Shmirnov Smash, which is their <laughs> new vodka seltzer. Um, and my song, which, as you know, I just came up with because I just, you know, scrolled now, uh, is Sweet Tea. Keeping with the be- beverage theme, which is a Craven Melon song. And they, unlike James Taylor, are from South Carolina.
0: Ooh. It's pretty
2: good. A that was pretty good. For like, uh,
1: that is pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. That's a great, great on the fly pull. Wow. Finch. Jen's impressed. I'm impressed.
0: That, that is good. The Russian thing is. I, Mcat, where have you lost the ability to be outraged? I'm tying their last two questions together. Like it is the Smirnoff thing has had me in a state all week. I mean, it's it's pretty insane that the House Republicans are literally passing along fake Russian disinfo. Where where, where are you at on that? Well, wow.
3: yeah, I'm 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 in full Bob Dole mode. He's he's <laughs> plenty outraged. I <laughs> oh, damn outraged! It's incredible. <laughs> but on um, on the topic of South Carolina, man, I just. Talk about a river of memories, you know, for all of us. I know, yeah. just epic campaigns that that were so significant and uh, and determinative, and you know, comebacks, um, you know, rallies. And this thing is just kind of petering out in a way that kind
0: of, you know, flushes all those It memories. goes to the being boring that, that Hellman said. What, so you, which side were you at on, on O.O., McCain, and Bush? I mean, this, that is the prime.
1: He was involved in the, in the destruction you're of John on, McCain's you're on the uh, bad political side. Uh, career. Do you remember the drunk debates?
3: The, the debates for oh, people yeah, were drinking? Oh yeah, yeah I, because
1: because South Carolina used to be you used to be able to get used okay, to a drink when they had those debates at Myrtle Beach. The Republican crowds would always be drunk as yeah. fuck, and they'd be like screaming. There was no uh, restraint on the audience. There was a the the one in, in twenty twelve the Gingrich one, where CNN asked about his extramarital affairs in twenty twelve. That was like everyone was drunk there in Charleston. Yes. I'm, I'm, people were, the, and the Myrtle Beach debates were always like everyone was everyone was rowdy and shit faced at those debates. Those were really fun. I was
0: Screaming! Both of my two presidential campaigns ended in South Carolina, yeah. Palmetto State, which would have been your good Jason Isbell alt- alternative pick for you, Jen. But yeah, I I, uh, I got to oh, have it. How did I not I
1: know. think of I that? I assumed it was going to be Palmetto Rose. I assumed we were going to have a- Palmetto Rose. I'm going to see him
2: tomorrow night at Radio City Music Hall.
1: Here is the thing, though, that I I just it, it, it's had to spend a week there. This goes to MCAT's point, you know, which is, and it's true, obviously, on the Democratic side too. You go through Iowa nice, and then you have this New Hampshire, you know, at both of the they're basically. They're basically they're they're basically kind of like gloves off states. They don't really get you know they're not down and dirty right. And the thing about South Carolina in both the Democrat and Republican side is you would get down there and it was always a brawl. They let the dogs off the chains. Yeah, it, yeah right. The, like the big red dogs off the leash, right? <laughs> and, and it was like you know dirty politics and, and Democrats and Republicans alike. A lot of like nastiness and the mailing the mailers on the car windows. Yeah. And the, the the radio the radio ads and the. And it was like it was it was appalling sometimes, but always like electric and fun, you know. Like there was just a lot of energy there, you know. And and they were also often in the Republican side decisive. But you know, as somebody pointed out South Carolina primary invented in 1980. Everybody who has everybody but Newt Gingrich who's won the primary has gone on to win the nomination. So it's like in some ways the decisive primary for, for Republican side. And being there for five days this week, I it was if I any, I couldn't believe that it could anything could be more desultory. Mm-hmm than iowa new hampshire this year but it was just it was like low energy jeb had taken <laughs> we over did the this state we could. <laughs> there's no trump lawn signs like even the trump fans like he does one <laughs> event a week so yeah they mm-hmm. all show up they'll do a giant rally tonight and a bunch of people show up it look like energy but he's not been in the state all week i mean he's about he flew in for the laura thing it's the only other event he's done all week so it's like even the the energy of the trump people in 16 and in 20 it's just not there it's like there's this this kind of acquiescent quality to the whole thing where there's just no energy anywhere. It's like, you know, yeah, there's a bunch of Nikki Haley ads on the air, but no one gives a shit. Everyone is just basically like, we know what's going to happen here, you know? And and I think broadly, that's how the country is about the whole race, which is sort of like, yeah, we don't love the idea of Biden and Trump. It's a rerun we don't want to see. Yeah. And it's and, and it, I think it's overstated, you know, the, the thing that gets missed, a lot of people say the Democrats aren't super psyched about Biden and there obviously are a lot of questions about Biden among a lot of voters, but- I just, even on the Trump side, you know, he's got his hardcore base that are really nuts, but there's a big chunk of the Republican Party that's sort of like, yeah, he seems inevitable. I'll, I like him better than Biden, but they're not like really, you know, they're not anti, but they're not really pro. You know, there's at least a third of the party's like that. And man, it just makes for a really dissolute kind of like, you know, everyone's just sort of shrugging their shoulders and walking around, which is not
0: a lot of fun. Did you make it to the Meatball Ron event in South Carolina? Well, you were down there.
2: Wait, did he go? It was a
0: sad. He had one sad event in South Why? Carolina this week. It was kind of like trying to stay in the mix. you know <laughs> Who was uh, he
2: campaigning for? Uh,
0: neither of them. It was like a issue based you know, one of those groups I think that had invited to him to an event, but when he
1: uh oh, when he was man. still in the race, he decided to go anyway. That's I want you to sad. say this this phrase again. Did I go to a Meatball Ron issues based event where he was campaigning for no one? He went there to talk about. <laughs> it, issues. Seems like it seems
0: like you were bored. Seems like you were bored. Maybe yes. that sounded you entertaining. That. Get caught
3: on it's a, a uh, kind of on, on a phone call that got leaked out that he once again was trashing Trump.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was a Zoom yeah. call with his delegates where he was. He said he, he wouldn't didn't want to be VP, and then the, it really has been the most heated exchange of the whole week. Has been like Lasavida, Trump's campaign manager, yeah. tweet yeah. Yeah, dunking on Ron DeSantis, who's not. Even in the race on Twitter, that shows you how how weak it's been. What was like the Haley event like, though, John? I mean, he says quiet. Like, what? Who are there? Like, when you're talking to people, is it Democrats that are there? Like, who's there?
1: I'll I'll say something that like not not that many Democrats. You know what it is? Is it? It reminded me. (laughs) It's like a little bit like John John Huntsman. John Huntsman crowd. Honest yeah. to God, honest yeah. to God, like we're doing your great. You know, it, it's like my people. <laughs> By the way I was with you at that last South Carolina wind down, I was there. Uh, you know, it's upscale. You know, she's she's got yeah. in that in the Low Country and along the coast where she's oh. going to overperform relative to the rest of the state. You know, and where a lot of some of her money, there's a bunch of she got a bunch of wealthy backers down there who are still going to keep funding the campaign going forward. There's a little more enthusiasm for her there, but you know the events are basically you know a couple hundred people. You know, if she gets five hundred, it's a big event. And they're it's they're not it's not like they're lifeless and dead, but they're they're very uh, they're very Dockers and and polo shirt kind of like that that sort of mm-hmm. you know yeah. that that kind of 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 the part of South Carolina. South Carolina is a very diverse income wise, culturally and economically very kind of diverse state. You can run all kinds of all kinds of. There's redneck parts of that state, and there's very upscale parts of that state. Investment bankers and. And he, he, she's got the upscale. That's her thing. She's, she's, she's living in, in the space where, uh, like the Bill Bradley voter of the Republican party, you know, that's like, those are the kind of people who are there and they're, and they're perfectly pleasant, right. but they're all, they all know they're kind of there to show her support, but they, they know as well as everybody else that she doesn't have a chance. And do you have kind con- like
0: a virtue signal. They're
1: like, yeah, they're like, we're here to support Nikki because we think it's important. She's in this race, but they're not like, nobody's deluded that they think she's going to win.
0: I didn't get to give you guys my title. Do you want it? Oh, see Okay. Um, I I I've been thinking about it. I came up with the pun. I know Heilman likes puns, mm, which violence. was last rights. Yeah. And okay. my last rights of this was I tried to make it about broader, and it's about Nikki, of course. But I really think that like the Nikki Haley Bush party has been on in hospice for kind of a while now. Yeah. But like she was the best next representative of it really like th- that could potentially be up and coming and for her to go to her home state and lose by whatever 25 points it's maybe the official end death we can do a time of death for the bush party at uh 2024 uh, jimmy
3: carter's been in hospice for a year give us okay. give her a little more time give her
0: a little more time what, what do we think <laughs> mckinnon jen is it a death of that party or could it could it come back can we put the gravestone on it
3: well I'm all for her plugging away. Just right. as long as she's got money and putting the gas in the tank, just fly the flag, just say we're sure. still here. Sure. I mean, I know we're on an island and there's a few survivors yeah. left, but it's important to send the message. And our friend James Carville, as you recall in the last episode of our last show, said the era of strategic certainty is over. And and that may be the only true thing about this election. And who knows what the hell is going to happen? I just think being the last person standing, and even if you've got 13 delegates, who knows?
0: Jen, is it dead?
2: Is it R-I-G-H-T or R-I-T-E-S? Because R-I-G-H-T. Be yeah, that, that also with the, you know, nearby state of Alabama. That, That's the
1: whole thing with puns is that they could, you can could spell them either way. That's where our there. editors do the backup and do it over again. Yeah, Divya could decide. Oh, uh, yeah,
2: I do the little curse. Divya would, cur- yeah, she would like have the cursor back up with that. I feel like it's been gone for a while. It's just going to morph into something else, right? It's yeah. just like, so I don't know if it's the end of anything because it's, I feel that that, that, that 30% Hasn't know where to go. I think it is good that she's staying in, even if she stays in all the way to the convention, just because having a Republican make those arguments against Trump is like really helpful, even with just riling up Democrats or or independents. I just, yeah, I'm just not sure what those people are going to become. What are you, Tim? You're one of those people. What are you?
0: It's over. For, I mean, it's over for me. I think, are you? I, I know, but are you? A, I, yeah. Are you
2: a Democrat now? No.
0: I mean, I, so the only Republican I voted for since 2016 uh, is a guy mm-hmm. named Stephen Wagspack who ran in Louisiana in the first in the first round who had no chance to win. Does he have so a I monocle? For one,
1: Does he have a monocle? Yeah, I vote, yeah,
0: exactly. I voted for one hopeless man with a monocle <laughs> in the in, in the first round. So you tell me what I am. I mean, am I a Democrat? Like, I don't know if yeah. I lived in Maryland there are a handful of states left where I might've voted for a Republican, but I, I think that, and yeah. I think that a lot of these people are your Brian Kemp, some of them are swing voters yeah. or your Kemp yeah. Warnock voter. Um, but some of them are practically Democrats now, functionally Democrats.
3: Yeah. Well, here's an interesting little data point, which, and you think about, you know, the party and who's part of it and yeah. what is it in the future. And, and I would, I've been looking, uh, thinking about Gen Z voters yeah. for a, a little project I'm thinking about. And, uh, and, you know, I was thinking about the, you know, the, obviously the, the Biden Gen Z voters in the split and the Democratic Party and all that. And I thought about, you know, Trump's Gen Z voters. But I was trying to think about anti-Trump Gen Z voters. There's no anti-Trump Gen Z voters. If you're Gen Z, you're either Trump or you're not. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're this a right, Gen Mark. Z
3: Republican, you're Trump.
1: They don't know any other party.
2: They don't know any other party.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this question, Tim. Here's the, the counter thing on Haley. Which I was part of the, the reason I put this in the, this piece I did for Morning Joe today because Dick Harpoulian, who's a Democrat, but was smart about this and just laid out a theory, right? And the theory was, you know, she stays in the race, and there is a chunk of the party that's still in either hostile to Trump or kind of indifferent. And people, you know, people's actual political commitments are way overstated by all of us. Like, you know, the, these there's these stories about the the anti-Trump college voters who, you know, got upset about the insurrection and now they're back with Trump. It's like people, like most people in America don't give a fuck about politics enough and they, they, they could change a lot over the course of the next eight years once Trump is gone. And his kind of thesis was if, if she's right, that he's going to lose when it's over, she's going to have been out there, gone to a lot of states, been out on the stump in a lot of places. She's always been good at raising money. This get this gets to a question, which is what I'm trying to get to, which is not, his thing is like... Trump is gone now. The party's up for grabs. There's going to be, you know, a bunch of people contesting for leadership of it and what it actually is. And I think his point was not, well, Nikki Haley's obviously going to be the next standard bearer. Her point was more kind of like it puts her in the conversation around yeah. where does the party go and she's going to be a familiar face who's going to be able to say I told you so and like I was right, you were wrong. He like, fucked us again. We lost again and 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 I guess my what that's premised on is this notion that that after Trump, that there will be a big conversation about the future of what was once you guys were both attached to the Republican Party? Do you think that's true, or do you think after Trump the Trumpism just marches on? I, I, I you know, I'm inviting you to speculate. You know, I don't like speculation, but I'll invite you both to speculate because that's an interesting question to me.
0: Yeah. I think Mcap will maybe be more optimistic than me as is his nature so we'll see if not but I'll go first briefly. I just think like if you said to me, "Hi, I'm John Heilman from the future. I've 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 come in a time machine and and it's 2032 and the Republican nominee in 2032 is one of these three people, Nikki Haley, Matt Gates or Tucker Carlson." I'll tell you that Nikki would be by far my third choice in that draft on the most likely person for it to be.
1: Is that just gut or is that based on a, is that just gut or based on a an assessment of?
0: No, it's based on, no, it's, it's a, it's based on assessment of what MCAT was talking about, about Gen Z and younger voters, an assessment about who has checked into the party versus who has checked out. I mean, I think De Carpullian's talking to a lot of people who, are not really representative of what the real party voter is. Yeah, they're older people who are kind of vestigial Republicans. They're still part of their identity. But if you've, in the last 10 years, if you've said, oh, I'm a Republican now, you like Trump or something like it, right? Maybe it'll be a softer version. Maybe it won't be quite as crazy or quite as deranged or orange or whatever. But you want something kind of like it. You don't want Nikki. You were a Democrat when the Nikki type of Republicans were in charge. And then if you're the type of person that likes Nikki, many of them we t- when you talk about how people don't have these political uh, attachments as strong as we think i think that's true and i think there are a lot of people just looking at my friend group from high school who all voted for w and all voted for biden with one or two ex- exceptions who don't re- listen to the fucking bulwark podcast even though i beg them to none of them like none of them had big cr- identity crises about this they just they were for George W. Bush and they were for Romney and then one day they're like guess not I guess I'm for Joe Biden now and and there are a lot of those folks out there too so the makeup of the party I think has just changed too permanently for her I I, I would love to be wrong I've been wrong a lot but that's just my my how I would project it MCAT do you have a more any more optimistic outlook
3: uh, Yeah I've, I've got a rosier version it doesn't surprise you I I think that there is a a real chance that. Trump loses, and then he will have lost in 20, 22, 24, 18, don't forget 18. 18, 18, uh, and, and lost the the house, the Senate and the presidency for the first time in a hundred years since Grover Cleveland. And that's some they might start to finally get a clue that maybe this formula isn't working. I also don't think that, I mean, I think Bannon is, you know, I think he's right about a lot about just kind of bit being a movement and it, and it could move on past Trump but I also think that Trump is such a unique singular figure that I don't think anybody else is going to be able to carry that standard forward and if I I've always thought we it's going to have the party's going to have to be burned down and resurrected from the ashes and the question is what comes up from that and Nikki Haley at that point will have, uh, you know, some really good notches in her, in her belt. You know, she will have, you know, uh, gone through this process as the second person standing and raised a ton of money, uh, run a pretty good campaign, gained a lot of credibility. And despite what Don Lemon says, she will not be way past her prime. She'll be, she'll be wow, fifty. Don next. catching strays. Oh, <laughs> well,
2: um, you know, but the thing is that the, the person who finishes second always thinks that they can be the next, uh, person who finishes first and they're not they're just the person who came in second the last time round. you know well, like, it used
1: to be in the in the republican party it used to be that used to be true it's just you know trump just blew all that up right i mean you know romney and when romney was that
2: and, was that true for romney I guess it's true for McCain, for romney. it was true, it was true for, for romney that's true you're right you're right
3: if he loses, and I think, you know, Republicans, among the, thing, the messages at the beginning is that maybe we should nominate a woman, and Nikki's been through this drill, and she's she's a proven warrior. Yeah, but
2: it's like, if they're going to reject Trump, it's like, I think you're going to have to have somebody who had no connection to him, you know? She was his ambassador to the UN. She propped him up. She propped him up when, it, when he needed it. I think, like, you know, bring on, like, I don't know, like, David Holt from Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, or somebody, you All know. Right.
0: That's my boy, David Holt. Is that All right? right. You're mean, really he's... pandering. You're pandering to the Bulwark crowd now. Oh, I David Holt's I did the last remaining, that. the last I... remaining Bulwark Republican, the Oklahoma he City seems,
2: mayor. Uh, he seems—he seems good. Like you know, he, he's like a problem solver. You know, like getting stuff By done. By the way,
1: she still says she's going to pardon him. She still says she's going to pardon him if she gets uh if she if she were president.
2: Yeah.
0: I need to get Jen's opinion about the Biden discourse, but I have one more thing about Haley first before we we lose everybody. Uh, you said on Morning Joe that you, I think someone told me this, so I haven't actually seen it. So it could this is a game of telephone. Um, something about Nikki, maybe third party, maybe that there could be a no labelsy thing. There's some buzz about that. What's your what was that? What was the context of that?
1: I said that there was. I think what I said was that there was that there had been the way that she's handled that there, there's been speculation about it and that's true yeah. uh, and so like the there's been a, I don't believe that that's true but there has been speculation about it and there's speculation because she's been asked about it and she keeps saying very very self-consciously i'm not thinking about that right now i've given no thought to that what i'm pursuing right now is the republican nomination which is like the kind of thing that people say when they want to leave the door open to it right i would say you know that if you believe Nikki Haley is is, and I say this, Jen, not in a in a loaded gender way, I think, as you know, I think most politicians are highly ambitious creatures, but she's very ambitious, and a lot of people think she's calculating. And part of the reason she's been ideologically so all over the place is because she's constantly tacking from one thing to another in terms of what her perceived advantage is yep. at that moment. That that you know that you look at no labels and you say uh, the no labels candidate is not going to be president in twenty twenty four. It's not going to win. And, and the no labels candidate is not going to be, then is not going to become the Republican candidate if they become first the no labels candidate. And so there's no way, if you think you want to be the leader of the Republican party in some reconstituted thing, if that's what you're playing the long game, or if you're playing the short game and you want to be president, being the no labels candidate is not the way to do that. And so it's, it's not, I think where she ends up. There is one alternative view of this, which is that being the no labels candidate, if you decided that what you want to do is make money. And like corporate boards was your play. You're going to leave politics to the end of this. Like going to do the no labels thing would be a great credential to go and be, to connect to a lot of rich donors. I'm, I'm again, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm saying very people, people look at her financial motivations. That's another prism that you get from the South Carolina people. They're like very financially motivated. If she decided that what she wanted was a pathway to corporate boards that would open up that Like like, basically I'm giving up politics. I'm just going to do this because that is obviously what, you know, a lot of the no labels Support it comes from you know that kind of crowd, the corporate the crowd and the people who have a lot of connections to corporate boards. I don't think that's what she's doing, but but I I just give you the that's it's I'll give you the browning, whole like, that's the whole discussion mood. around Nikki and 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 their labels.
2: Cat, what do you think?
1: I think it's unlikely that she would
3: uh, go that route. Um, ex- with the exception that if if she made a calculation that. There really was no future beyond Trump, but that that Trump is the future of the Republican Party, whether he wins or loses that. And that she's that she's you know, she burned her ship on the shore and she can't go back and that there's no route forward in the Republican Party. I think it would I think she'd look at it and and it would make sense for. And and by the way, I think a, a Haley led third party
1: ticket could be trouble. I mean, I think it would be competitive. I will say that if you listen to the speech she gave when she said she wasn't going to drop out, if you listen to what she actually said, you were, if you were the the Martian from the future or whatever, Tim, and you just landed and you said, okay, what is this person angling for? Her denunciation of Trump and Biden is equal. I mean, she does, she is a no labels message right now, which is, you know, the country doesn't want either one of these people. Biden's too far to the left. Trump's too far to the right. They're totally divisive. We need to have unity. I need their need. I mean, she's. She's giving a speech that a no labels candidate could give if you just listen to the speech itself on the substance. So I think that's part of what's fueled some people's thinking about this is that she is in the no labels slot. That's what she's that's the message she's running on right now. Even though she's trying to say she's a Republican, you know? I'm surprised nobody's pulled it. I'm surprised nobody pulled it. And as, yeah, as MCAT knows, weird. we've
0: gone round and round on this because I'm pretty I've been hostile to no labels because I think most of the candidates have been floated. I look at them and say, eh, these these people are mostly gonna take from Biden. The Haley case is interesting in that you know if you say that she, if you think about it, she has a third of the party, you know or you know third thirty percent of the vote. you know probably five to ten percent of those people max are gettable for Biden. and then there's another 20 percent that are more rank and file traditional Republicans. She might, I guess all I'm saying is unknown. I don't know. she might hurt Biden too, but I think it's, it'd be more interesting than the other names out there as far as conceivably pulling from Trump.
1: Most of the no labels people are people who would hurt Biden unequivocally and and she was one who you'd have to at least think it through. It's not yeah. obvious it's not obvious that she might, you know, hurt she she could conceivably take away more Republican votes than Democrat votes. That's right. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I wonder if he, I wonder if I wonder if the Biden and Trump people are polling it. I bet they
3: are.
0: If you're listening and you have that, leak it to us.
3: To their credit, I will I will just say here, I'll, 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 candidly, that I, as you know, and I say repeatedly, I have no official role in the labels and haven't in a long time. But I do call and talk to them occasionally. And and I, I asked that question, I said, well, have you polled uh, Nikki Haley? And, and to their credit, that we don't poll. That's not, you know, we're, we're, we don't do that. That's not.
0: <laughs> okay. But okay. Oh, we're not going decide there.
2: themselves.
0: This podcast is not going to end up in a DOJ it's report.
2: Like five people are going
0: to okay. decide themselves.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you think that's worse than the system that produces the two geriatrics? I don't know,
0: okay. Jen. Uh, if we had this show last week. You know, I think that the the golden goose would have been Jen and Ezra Klein oh. sitting down. I don't know in Brooklyn somewhere. I don't know. I'm trying to picture this. Like, you know, what what? How do you think that conversation play, would have played out? <laughs> where, where, what do you feel about it? Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Also, I don't
2: know if you know. Do you know that I that I wrote a response, a very polite response to Ezra Klein? I did. I wrote a I vote. I wrote a very polite, rep- polite response to Ezra. Yeah. Klein. I mean, yeah, it did. is. That's all right. And I have to say, I think Esther Klein really helped. Uh, it, it, he helped Democrats. He helped. He helped Biden because it's just. You know, if you if you talk to someone who for five seconds who had ever worked on a presidential campaign, you would understand why it is bonkers to think that like the great move now when you have 130 million dollars that a presidential campaign is sitting on and or in building organizations in uh in battleground states that you should wait until the middle of August, like put the 130 million dollars aside, not build any kind of coordinated organization, and then like hope that you're divided, uh. That after your pres- your sitting president admits defeat by resigning or saying he's not going to run, that you can you know resurrect some kind of strong campaign to take on Donald Trump with eleven weeks to go, it's just it's just ridiculous. So uh,
0: Lincoln, it worked for Lincoln. Bill Kristol pointed that out this week. Abe Lincoln.
1: Especially since the record of broker conventions producing uh, <laughs> producing uh, 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 successful nominees is uh, uh, like like somebody please point to the last time that's happened. We got yeah. back uh, to like Jamal I know Jamal
0: I... Bowman charging the stage with some pro Hamas protesters is going to be wild while Josh oh, Shapiro tries to take television. the nomination from the first black vice president. That's all going to go yeah. real great. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be a wonderful
1: scene and <laughs> another police riot another police riot in Grand Park. Yeah, that'll be great.
2: Yeah, so I think so it has helped. And then the the other thing I feel feel like in the last 10 days since the her report now the her report you know some people are like oh this is good they got the biden campaign got their crucible over early it's like well no that just showed you like how bad it's going to get when his vulnerability around his age comes into like the crosshairs, right? It's tough, but at least we they like got through that. And I think they are definitely he is out more. He's also more relevant right now because he's in an actual fight with Trump, so you see more of him. I think seeing more of him, even when he screws up, is important because we understand like oh he knows what's going on. He like you know he's a he he talks to the he talks to the press most days. He does Q and A Q and A's with the press. On most days, this doesn't actually necessarily get covered. So I think it feels a little, it feels stabilized.
3: Jennifer, I'll, I'll just say completely anecdotally that just yeah. in the last week or two, I feel like I've heard and seen Biden more.
2: A lot. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. You
3: know, it's just like, oh. Right. There. And it wasn't, you know, some very, it was just like something sort of normal. It's like, oh, he's normal and he can do that.
2: Yeah, he does. He, you know, he walks up and talks to the press on most days. And that is, and I think partly it's, he's getting covered more because it's like, Maybe. You know Russia and Ukraine, and you know seeing Navalny's widow and yeah. the um, jokes about
1: his sex life. That was good.
2: Jokes about his sex life.
1: All three of you guys know what it's like because you've all been involved in managing campaigns and dealing with 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 communications. If you if somebody says to you something that's that I think in this case is unequivocally true, but if you heard this and you were running the communications operation for. For, for, for Joe Biden you would be like uh, uh, uh. it's like the reality is you've got to normalize his mistakes they have to become yes. they have to become run of the middle yes. the only way for this to work he's going to be making mistakes he's going to be looking old he's going to be doing shit he's going to mix stuff up he's going to make mistakes for the rest of the campaign if you make it you have to make it like he makes them every day and people see it and it's fine. And it's because still okay. it's just that's if a you really make good, it, it yeah. because Damn. it because it becomes isolated things where every time he makes a mistake, people can focus on it. I would like flood the zone with Biden. I'd like be like, get it. It's a huge risky thing to do, but like the only way you can survive this is to make it so that when he makes the mistakes, people shrug as opposed yeah, to because they're the like things yeah. are oh, still
2: that Joe. Things are there still he, oh, it's yeah. Joe.
1: He does that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Him grandpa Joe, it's fine. He's still, but the ship estate's still floating and, you know, the economy's still yeah. getting better and we're still. He's
2: still th- holding NATO to get that together and like dealing with Gaza and Israel. He falls
1: down the stairs, but he still knows who to call it NATO. <laughs> we're putting sanctions on Putin and he's meeting with Navalny's widow and yeah. he's doing all that stuff. And so he fucks some shit up every day. Like, big deal. Move on. He'll be more like Trump then where like people just write off all of Trump's lunacy because it's all so normalized. You got to get there and it's going to be painful.
0: There is an asymmetry on the attacks though. Trump uh, on Truth today had a little meme up there where it's like Biden is, is shuffling and then he goes into you know that that old folks home commercial visiting angels. <laughs> you know that one. I like, don't Trump know. is posting this on on his social media. Biden's campaign like you know has the has just the decorum to not do that, right? So that I, I worry about. It. I don't know if people are ready for that. Like the the just the low blow TikTok
1: Biden attacks are going to yeah, be know, just off the chart. Br-
2: I mean, they're going to be they're brutal. I mean, if you look on they're TikTok, already out if they there Biden, They're brutal. Yeah, they're, they're Yeah, yeah.
1: is somebody said to me they went and spent some time. Where they just went and just went on TikTok and searched for Biden content just just to see like what just just to do the deep dive of just like yeah, what's what's out there and like what are young people seeing if they live on TikTok and and this person who was like a generally like not a anti-Biden this is a, a a curious person who wondered what why is there this youth the the Gen Z problem like just like oh well, let's go look at TikTok and really dive in there spend a week on TikTok and just look for all the Biden content you could not political content from campaigns or operatives but just right. the normal shit that people are making and he's like. Is it's fucking merciless. It's a, a merciless. Well, it's
2: the lot of Gaza.
1: Yes. But, but yeah, yes. Yeah. But but it's like, it's like there's nothing positive. I mean, it's like it's a non-stop no. flood no. of of mockery and criticism. And again, I'm not pointing at any finger. I'm just I'm just raising the fact that that's out there. It's not like, you know, it's not like it's not already there. You know, people are seeing a lot of stuff that's negative about Biden.
2: It's the biggest thing like the people that like that are outside of the campaign that are raise money and worry about, you know, what's happening on the outside. The biggest this is the biggest hole that everybody obsesses over is what do you do about
0: TikTok? Okay, one rapid fire then a final circus question. My rapid fire right now today percent chance Joe Biden, Donald Trump, other are taking the oath of office next January.
2: We have to do percentages too. We can't just say Biden.
0: Percent I'll get, I can go first. I'm like 57 Biden, 42 Trump, one other.
2: Wow. wow. I'm 53 Biden.
0: That's very bullish. On, that's really
1: bullish on Biden. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're lower than 53,
2: Roman? Yeah. 50, I'm 53 Biden. I think that the- I'm
1: like 49, 46, uh, 49, 46, five. Yeah. Because yeah. one, one of them could die. Yeah. I'm with John. Yeah. I'm 48, 46, six.
0: Well, we're not going to have being boring then in the fall. No, so we can have a much better epi- we're not, we'll have a much better episode theme song in the fall if we uh, if we come back.
1: Everybody says this and they're covering the primary or being out there in the world. You're like, but the stakes are so high, and people are like, yeah, I know the stakes are high, but right now we're we're going through this part, which is like the annoying. You know, Trump will get his get to twelve fifteen. You know, in the middle of March, and by the time we get to the fall, the stakes, even though people are not psyched about. The choice, and a lot of people are like n- not loving the the two nominees. The stakes will kick in at that point. I think it will suddenly be able to start to feel more urgent, uh, a lot more urgent. The song is not sweet, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> not sweet, Caroline. Circus, circus
0: things. I, I want one thing for something you miss being out there or a memory, something sh- people should search for on YouTube, a, sur- a favorite circus moment
2: you know here's here's one small thing that i would search for on youtube that i think that the biden campaign should look for uh should use as an ad
0: <laughs> okay i'm ready
2: our israel gaza episode where he went to israel and at the beginning uh divya chungi who uh was the head editor of the show uh her team did this cold open that was biden through the years and i think it started with like him meeting um
1: you jesus know, um, moses uh,
2: Jesus, no, Um, uh, Indira Gandhi.
1: (laughs) Moses, You know, as as a young senator meeting
2: Indira Gandhi in Israel, and it like went through the entire, you know, for his 50-year career through a foreign policy lens and all the world leaders he's met with and all the situations he's been in. And then when you arrive to the present, you're like, of course he's the guy. Um, And that was, so that was uh, winter of... No, that was most recently. That was fall of uh, uh, 2023, the Israel episode. Look at that.
3: I miss the extreme balance and polar opposites of being at the Kremlin watching John take on a a KGB uh, super operative (laughs) and and just, I mean, seeing the best at their craft going at it. juxtaposed with being in a county fair in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district watching something being shot out of a cannon.
0: Did you see the January 6th pinball? We also missed CPAC. I had some CPAC clips we didn't get to, but uh, (laughs) that could have also been in this week's episode. Uh, There was a January 6th pinball at CPAC this week. I heard. uh, You know, it's devolving. Heilman, last thoughts, memories,
1: words of wisdom? I miss um, Jen's dark and foreboding... Uh, apocalyptic view of the world, which uh, always reminds me that there's someone who thinks things are more <laughs> fucked even than me. Uh, I'm, I'm Tim, I miss your fashion sense. The, the pearls, oh, uh, r- having a routine access to pearls on boys. Uh, the pearl necklaces are, your pearl necklaces are top of the line. And, it, and it, the common thing to say would be to say that you miss MCAT's hats, but I don't miss MCAT's hats. I miss MCAT's hat boxes. Ah. No one knows what it's like to be on the road with Mark McKinnon where <laughs> all these hats have to be carried around in their own... Pieces of, of suitcase. They're, each one has its individual suitcase. That like is was like was MCAT goes to Moscow and I'm like, the all <laughs> of the overhead bins are filled with these Stetson box hat boxes. I'm like, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but I do miss that.
2: Speaking of CPAC, it's just uh, I just have to do a shout out for no peace bitch.
1: No <laughs>
2: <Back> peace
0: <laughs> bitch. Megan McCain. I'm doing her podcast next week. Oh, my oh you God. are yeah. we'll just send her She's our like, regards. Get-
2: Getting some revenge from Carrie, if we're Le- on behalf of Tim Miller, Gary Lake. Oh my God.
0: Maybe no that should have been the episode bitch. title. No peace, bitches. <laughs> guys, Jen Palmieri, <laughs> Mark McKinnon, John Howellman, thank you for doing this. I hope to see you guys this Pleasure. summer and the fall, and uh, we'll Kick talk it. to you all soon. It, y'all soon.
3: Okay. Bye. Bye. up and yeah.
0: The Podcast is produced by Katie Cooper with audio engineering and editing by Jason Brown.